it used to be that it was such a pain in the butt to switch banks or switch cell phone providers or switch cable companies that nobody did it. And those companies, they use that inertia to their advantage. Today, it's not that hard to switch almost any company. And so that makes customer experience that much more important because we got to give them a reason to stay, not just a reason to show up. You're listening to the No BS Agency Podcast. We talk strategies that can take your one to two person branding agency from $5,000 to $30,000 per month without hiring employees or working your ass off. All you have to do is cut the BS. I am Pia Silva. Hey, Dan, welcome to the show. Well, hey there, Pia. Great to be here. Ah, so excited to have you on, especially since I truly enjoyed your book, The Experience Maker. Tell me a little bit, just give our audience a quick background on how you came about to write this and where your experience came from. Sure. Well, I spent 20 years in corporate America, kind of doing the daily grind and trying to climb the corporate ladder. Uh, I worked in different industries, financial services, healthcare, fast food, all sorts of things. And uh, eventually moved from being a marketer at heart to really being passionate about customer experience. And it took a role at Discover Card to sort of teach me the power of customer experience. And once I got a taste of that power, it was very difficult to go back. Uh, And what I mean by that is that I learned you can make very small changes to the customer experience that have a very outsized impact. Uh, Little things like removing customer pain points or barriers to doing business with you. It doesn't seem like a big thing, but when you think about how many barriers and how many pain points we go through every day, customers really appreciate that. And it builds loyalty. It builds satisfaction. Uh, and so now I like to joke that if I never have to do a marketing campaign again, it's too soon because I would much rather focus on creating such a remarkable experience for people that they do the marketing for us. And as any good agency worth their salt knows, the best kind of marketing out there is word of mouth. And my belief is that the key to word of mouth is give somebody an experience that they can't wait to talk to people about. We've all had that. We've all had that occur where we reach into our pocket or our purse. We pull out our phone. We don't even know we're doing it, but we got to grab that moment. And whether we're sharing it with a friend or a family member or we're posting it onto our favorite social media channel, doesn't really matter. We're sharing that experience because it was so positive. Mm, I love that. So what you're saying is that customer experience, you could, you could divert funds money, energy into customer experience and still really see it as a marketing spend of energy and money because it really is going to facilitate the marketing of your business and creating more referrals and word of mouth. And that might be a really great way to focus. It seems like you think it's the better place to focus. Oh, 100%. I mean, if you look at the spend of companies in sales and marketing, and compare it to the spend in companies in customer experience and customer service, it's a joke. We are spending all of our money trying to bring new people into the organization, and we're spending no money trying to keep them there or trying to have them refer their friends. And so- Why? What's wrong with us? uh, I think it really comes from, especially public companies, uh, are judged on growth. 
And the thing is, is that the top line growth of bringing in new customers is great, but if they don't stay, then you end up paying for it on the other side. And so, you know, for example, if you have people come in just for the promo price and then they leave a couple months later because they were just price shopping, well, then that you haven't gained anything. Mm. But when you can gain a loyal client or customer and get them to spend more, stay longer and refer their friends, now their lifetime value is so big that you understand that it's worth investing in them because them staying another year means them spending X more and hopefully referring another couple of people and that it just continues to grow like that. But when we bring in customers and then ignore them and don't provide them with any sort of experience, we're basically giving them permission to go search for another company, right? Especially if they're price conscious, but even if they're just experience conscious, uh, it, it, the switching costs in almost every industry now are so low it used to be that it was such a pain in the butt to switch banks or switch cell phone providers or switch cable companies that nobody did it. And the company and those companies, you know, they use that inertia to their advantage. Today, it's not that hard to switch almost any company. And so that makes customer experience that much more important because we got to give them a reason to stay, not just a reason to show up. Mm. Okay. I love it. I can see that in the world as somebody who interacts with big companies all the time, right? We're just constantly buying things or looking at advertising. How does that relate to my people? My people and me, right? We're one, two, three person businesses. We're working with a lot of clients who are also one, two, three person businesses. We're not even necessarily trying to work with them <laughs> over time. Um, I'm, I'm a very like, I love you. I'm doing everything for you. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. I'm ready for the next client. Um, but that doesn't mean that I don't want to give them an incredible experience, especially because that is where referrals and goodwill and all of that comes from. So can you give me some examples of what this might look like for our micro businesses? Yeah. So if I think about the agency world, the companies that are depending on you are looking to obviously bring in more customers. And so when you, when you think about branding, it's often about the marketing of the company, right? But if we peel back what that actually looks like, most brand marketing is really promising the experience. So if you think about your favorite beer company, for example, what they're talking about is how it's going to feel while you're drinking our beer, right? And, and how great it's going to be on the beach with a bucket of ice or how great it's going to be with friends at a restaurant or whatever. If you think about your favorite hotels or restaurants or, uh, or cars, you know, all, basically all car marketing is about how it's going to feel to drive our car. Like it, so it, a lot of what's being done, even though we call it branding, we call it marketing, we call it advertising, it's really promising the experience. At least I think the good marketing does that, mm. right? Because what we know is today competing on price is a loser's game. It's a race to the bottom. You, all you got to do is look at uh, the two gas stations across the street from each other. They're, they're selling gas at the same price. One of them drops it by a penny. The next one drops it by a penny. A couple weeks later, they're giving away the gas for free. Competing on product has also become incredibly difficult, as those same gas companies will tell you, because they got, they're selling the same stuff, right? Or a better example of that is look at Uber versus Lyft. Right, Uber was one of the most innovative companies of our generation. But today, if you're sitting in a car, I dare you to tell me whether you're sitting in an Uber or a Lyft. You, you, you don't know. And likely you're sitting in both. 
because that driver is working for both companies. So that's how undifferentiated the product experience has become. When you take away price and product, what's left is experience. That's really all that we've got that we can differentiate ourselves with. And whether it's an agency or it's the agency's client, the best part about experience is that it's delivered by humans and only your company, only your agency has your humans. And that's the differentiator. So, you know, people hire you, Pia, because of you, because, because of, of you, the human, and no one else can replicate that. So that's your competitive advantage. If you're competing on price, good luck to you. That's not going to probably be a winning combo. And let's face it, there's a thousand agencies people could choose from. So it's not that you're doing necessarily anything completely innovative compared to other agencies. It's that people like you. And I think that's true with most businesses is that the, the joy of, of working with any business, the joy of walking into a, of having a nice meal at a restaurant. Yeah, it's in the food, but it's just as much in the service. It's just as much in the experience of being there. I remember for my book, I interviewed uh, Stephanie Izard, who's a former uh, top chef and iron chef champion. And I asked her, uh, because she's an entrepreneur, she owns a bunch of restaurants, but she's a chef, right? She's a top chef. And I asked her, if you were looking at a pie chart and you had to allocate the food and the experience, how would you do it? And I fully expected her to give me an 80-20 answer on the side of food. Instead, she said 50-50. And I thought that was A, a brilliant answer, but B, even more so coming from someone who's made their career as a celebrity chef. She is saying, yeah, the food has to be there, but if the experience isn't there too, people aren't coming back. It's just as important. And I think that's true across industries. And that's why burgers cost $30 in my neighborhood in Brooklyn. <laughs> because there it's, you go. You're paying for the experience. You're paying for the lighting. <laughs> that's true. I leave a restaurant if the lighting isn't good enough. I'm, I'm only there for the lighting. Uh, yes. Brilliant. So can you give us some advice? Because I, what I'm hearing you say, I'm, I'm a little bit deducing this, but you tell me if this is true. Because they're here for you, because they're here for the human, only you are the human, then creating that experience, your hour job is to kind of start with who we are and figure out what kind of experience we want to give people that's going to be specific and unique to us. Am I hearing that right? Like, is that a good path yeah. to take? So if you come to me and you say, hey, I'd really like to work with you. Uh, I really create great logos. I'm going to be like, well, awesome. There's a thousand million other people that can create a logo for me. Like that's not, that is a commodity exercise that is not worth hiring a top tier agency for if that's all that you're bringing to the table, right? And so that's the equivalent of I sell gas. Great. You know, there's lots of companies that sell gas and I, I don't know about you, but I can't tell the difference if I go from to what, you know, to a shell or a mobile or a BP, like I, I can't tell the difference in the gas. Maybe my car knows, but it doesn't know how to communicate that to me. So if that's your lead, then I think it's a tough sell. If the lead is Hi, I'm Pia. And one of the differences about my agency is that we intentionally only take on a maximum of seven clients. And the reason why we do that is because we want to make sure that we are there for every client in full with 100% of our being. And if we take on more than seven clients, we're not able to do that. And so you will be one of the most important things that I am working on always. I will always be there for you. I am your partner. I am invested in your success. 
Now I'm like, I don't even know what you do yet, but I want to hire you, right? Because I need somebody like that. I want a partner. I want someone who's invested in my success. I want someone who's going to always be there for me. And I think where we saw this really come to a head was actually at the beginning of the pandemic. Because the pandemic, what was so interesting about March, April, May, June 2020 is for the first time in any of our memories, we were all going through the exact same thing at the exact same time. So if you couldn't show empathy at that point, then I then I don't hold out any hope that you can ever show empathy because we all knew what our clients were going through. We were going through it too, right? So we were all worried about the same things, what have you. And I found that very early on in the pandemic, that companies, every company I did business with fell into two groups. The first was the group that sent out that email. And I know you got, because we all got it. A hundred times we got this email talking about our enhanced cleaning procedures. They were always enhanced. They weren't improved. They weren't bettered. They weren't whatever. They were always enhanced and linking us to the CDC website, which we had been linked to by 50 other companies. That's what I call a check the box activity, right? Is that they looked around and they said, oh boy, everybody's sending out these emails. We better do the same thing. Then I got an email from Charles Schwab and Charles Schwab said to me, we know that you must be really nervous about a volatile stock market. So we have all of these tools available for you for free that will help you through these difficult times. And I'm like, that's exactly what you want to hear from Charles Schwab at a moment of volatility, at a moment where you're nervous. This, there's empathy. There's an understanding of the situation. They know that I don't care about their cleaning procedures. That's just not that important to me. But what's important to me is my money and what's happening to it. And they were able to, to in that email, even though they didn't really say it, the message I got was, we're here for you. Like, we got your back. And that, at least certainly as the, as the pandemic was happening, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Whereas other companies were just telling me that, you know, they're using better chemicals to clean their countertops. And that just didn't mean anything to me. And so I find that, and I think if you, you mentioned before briefly about, you know, we're all consumers in our real lives. No matter what we do as a profession, we're consumers. So we know what a good experience, hopefully, what a good experience looks like. We know when we've been at a restaurant and we've just gotten stellar service and we can't wait to overtip them. We know when we go through a sales process that doesn't feel smarmy, but actually feels like, you know, we're on the same team. Uh, we know when we have a, a product that not only works as described, but maybe surprises us with extra features or what have you. If we can take that and provide that to our clients in whatever business that we do, then we know it's going to land with them because it is what lands with us. And I think that's the beauty of customer experience. This is not rocket science. You don't have to. There's a reason why there, as far as I know, there's no advanced degrees in customer experience. A lot of it just comes from common sense and from your own experience and understanding what kinds of experiences you like. And so, I, look, I'm a one-man show too. I'm in a different business, um, but I'm a one-man show too. I'm a solopreneur. And so I understand that a lot of what I'm selling is me, but I'm also making sure that when clients do business with me, that they have a great experience doing it and that I can create some surprise and delight, that I can do some unexpected things. Even when I go on stage, I try to be unexpected a little bit. There's a point in one of my keynotes where I break out into song because at a big business conference, nobody expects the keynote speaker to do that. But I'm here teaching you how to create remarkable experiences. So I might as well so create you one. Better for you. do it. Yeah, I yeah. love that. And so, you know, and, and again, what I love about this is, is that 
It's so easy. It doesn't have to be expensive. You know, you mentioned my book. All the examples in my book went through the filters of being simple, practical, and inexpensive. Customer experience doesn't have to be this multi-million dollar project that you embark on that takes a whole bunch of years. It's about looking at every touch point with your clients, every time you communicate with them. Can you have a little fun with them? Can you make it a little bit quirky? Can you show some personality or show the human behind? Behind, you know, behind the agency versus sending out a template or a form letter or, or something that is boring. One of my mantras is refuse to be boring. You know, it's not, we, it, it's hard. You know, you send out an invoice that seems like it's a pretty standard procedure, right? But why does sending out an invoice have to be a standard procedure? Why can't we have some fun with that invoice? Why can't there be a message on the invoice or a sticker or a smiley or an emoji or, or a comment of some sort that gets that person to say, yes, this is why I do business with this company. Because even when they are asking me for money, I still love them. Yes. I love that you brought the invoice up because that's actually a great example of something that people don't think about, is totally boring, and is a and almost more of an opportunity to delight. I like to just say whatever comes to my mind. So I'm going to just take this off, uh, not off topic, but a little on a tangent for a second, because as you're talking and I'm thinking about all the different experiences that I have with people and, you know, some people really go out of their way to give you an experience and other people don't. I personally, as a consumer, this is not me as a business owner, but as a consumer, I find that there's, there's the delight ones that yes, I love what you're talking about. Like, I've had that experience. You're like, I just want to go give this person a hug or <laughs> I can't wait to write them a review. I've had that, you know, this woman like checked me out at Target. I'll never forget because I had a really bad, I was having a really bad day and I was like kind of crying and she just like really took the time to like look me in the eye and be okay, you know, and I was like, oh, I want to just go write this woman like the best, you know, the best feedback for me. And, and that was a perfect example of someone just being themselves. Like she wasn't taught to do that. Right. But it was so touching. Okay. We all have those experiences, but I also have a lot of experiences that feel forced. And I'm just curious what your take is. The first time I got the box from this company that had, you know, a lot of filling, a very big fancy box and like three little things in it, like a bath bomb and a journal and a pen and maybe like a little candle. I was like, huh, that's nice. The second time I got that box with a couple of different things from somebody else, I was like, oh, this is so not magical. Like, I, you should not have wasted your money on me. I really don't need a bath bomb. <laughs> I don't care about this stuff. And it feels like very frivolous. And, and, you know, and it's not that I don't appreciate the thought, but it felt like you're trying to create an experience for me. So I feel good about your company, not like, oh, I feel delighted. And I'm just yeah. curious what you think about that, because as somebody who is also creating experiences, I'm so touchy when I'm thinking of it, creating that experience for my clients because I'm a little like, eh, I'm not a big gift person already. So I'm like, eh, I don't really need that. And I don't want to create that experience for people. And so the only gifts I give are the things, actually, I don't have it with me, but my, my uh, no BS mug, because I'm like, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> Like, I know people love this mug. And so I send that to my people. But until I find something else that's equally cool. Uh, uh, so, so gift giving is a really interesting part of the client provider relationship. Mm -hmm. And um, there's books written on it. I mean, one of them I would recommend is by a guy named John Rulin that's called Giftology. The, the biggest takeaway for, in that book for me was 
He says, anything that has your logo on it is not a gift. It's marketing. And I think he's right. And so often when we think of, especially in the B2B world, like every, like they just, it's tchotchke heaven there, right? Like, oh, we'd love to send you this water bottle with our logo on it and this sweatshirt with our logo on it and this pen with our logo on it. Except who actually wants their, you know, someone else's logo other than maybe an employee of that company, right? right. Who might want to show some pride. So when we start there, we're not really thinking about the customer. We're thinking about us. We're thinking about like that we want to, we're, we're hoping that by giving a gift, we will also create a marketing opportunity. I prefer to try to uh, personalize the gifts a little bit more or, and it doesn't necessarily have to be every client gets something different. In fact, the way that I play it is I try to give them something that reminds them of me, right? Without ever having my logo on it. And so um, don't steal this, but I'll tell you what I've been doing for my clients <laughs> the last couple of years. Okay. So um, I wanted to send something that was um, quintessentially Chicago because that's where I'm from but also something that gets used over and over again. And so there is a company out of Chicago called The Spice House, and they create these unbelievable seasoning mixes that they grind by hand and they mix all sorts of different flavors together. And yeah, you can go in there and get oregano and other types of things, but the best thing about them are all the blends that they do. And they create this beautiful box that has four different bottles in there or jars, and so in the first year I did this, I sent out a box with my four favorite ones that I know, like my family loves these and like, I will stand behind all four of these spices. And what I noticed was for months, I'd get people writing to me and saying, oh, I just cooked a steak last night and used your seasoning, or I just made pasta last night and used your seasoning. Nowhere. It's actually the only logo on there is the Spice House logo. There's not my logo's nowhere on there at all. But they remembered um, where they got it. Right. They remembered where they got it. Right. Plus, it is uh, they're remembering me at sort of an intimate time in the kitchen. You know, making food with their family. Like it's a happy time, and so it's a good time to for them to remember me. The next year, I was like, well, how do I top that? I don't know what to do. And I actually decided to send another box of spices, but to send four new ones. And because, I mean, there's about, a, I don't know, they only sell about 700 different spice blends, so I could go on for a while, oh, right? Um, and so I actually, because I'm nerdy, I started a spreadsheet and I was like, you know, clients that have been around for now three years have gotten box A, box B, and box C. If, if you're my first year, I'm going to give you box A because those are still my favorites, right? So it's something people can now look forward to, but also there's a little bit of a surprise in, well, what am I going to get this year? It's going to be something good because Dan always picks out great spices. And it's just something that at least from the feedback I've gotten, because the other thing I was going to say is talk to your customers, right? Get their feedback. Is this something they like um, or not? I've gotten really, really good feedback on it, which is why I'm, I keep doing it versus switching to something else. There's been other times where, whether it's a gift or really any kind of experience, you know, sometimes you get not as good feedback. Because you read my book, you know that I'm a storyteller and I, I tell lots of different stories, real life examples. But when I'm on stage, I can only tell a, a limited number depending on how long the keynote is. And so for a long time, I used to survey the audience and I would ask them, like, which examples did you, do you remember? and which examples were sort of forgettable. And 
it was fascinating to me because I look at them all as like my babies. I like them all. I think they're all great examples. But it's absolutely true that some of them resonate better with others. And so there are some examples that are in every single keynote I do. I don't care what industry I'm talking to because I know the audience is going to laugh. I know the audience is going to enjoy it or they'll be touched or whatever it is. Then there are some that I'll rotate based on the audience. And then there's some that I kick out of the keynote because I saw enough people tell me, eh, I didn't really love that example. Not offended. In fact, you just made my keynote better because I took out an example that it just wasn't resonating with people. And so if anybody, if I ever got negative feedback or somebody said, you know, well, this is great, but I don't cook or whatever, then I would switch it up. So you have to be willing to listen to feedback, positive and negative. And I always say feedback is a gift. You just have to look at it that way. And, and you take the negative with the positive. I love it when somebody tells me I'm their favorite speaker of the whole event. I also love it when they say, you know, it really bothered me when you were XYZ. Thank you for telling me that. Like, that's going to make me better. Yeah, I don't enjoy negative feedback, but it's the most valuable feedback. As long as you're willing to take it and do something with it. Yeah. You know, guess what? People are going to tell you something that I don't know, may hurt your feelings or might not be what you want to hear. But if you take it to heart, you're going to get better. Hey guys, I wanted to jump in here really quickly and ask you for a little favor. If you are loving this episode, please just take 30 seconds and leave it a review right now. Reviews help other people find us so that we can help more people know BS their agencies. I thank you in advance for your help. All right, back to the show. Some of the worst feedback I've gotten has also been hugely influential on whatever I've done because it's like, oh, I hate that they thought that. Yeah, I probably should change that. Huh. Um, it doesn't feel good, but it doesn't mean it's not valuable. Exactly. I just, just want to highlight uh, your your spice example, which I really like. Um, I like that it's totally unrelated, but it's very unique to you and it, and it was – specific to you. So even though you weren't, it doesn't sound like you were being specific to your clients. You weren't like weeding out the people who cook. No, I didn't do that. But I knew two of my clients were vegetarians. Uh -huh. And so even though all of the spices are vegetarian, there's some of them that have names like butcher's rub. And I'm like, I'm not sending something called a butcher's right. rub to a vegetarian. Like it's just salt, pepper, and garlic, but like, no, they're not going to like that. That's going to be weird for them. And yeah. so I did actually sub out spices for them. That's the only change that I made. But what I, the reason I picked it, I, I should have said this earlier, was that I felt like what was the connection to my brand is that it is experiential. Mm. It is that cooking is experiential oh, yeah. and trying new things are, is experiential. And so it is, I, if they're remembering me during a happy experience, then I'm doing my job. Yeah, no, I think that's a great example. And also because it's something that you use, which I'm sure you told them, these are my favorite spices. I'm sharing something of mine with you or something that I like. It's I the human it. piece. Yeah, yeah, I think you will like it too. Uh, you know, taking that uh, even a step farther because you said often you're looking for things that are inexpensive to do. I think the uh, another opportunity is – the copy. It's sometimes the hardest part, but it's what you write with the store, what, with the gift, or you don't even yeah. have to create something if you, like some of my favorite earlier, cause now everybody does it. So it's just a little less interesting, but earlier, uh, marketing 
experience opportunities were when you would open a box and there were like funny things inside or like, you know, funny things on the outside of the box, right? Do you remember? It was only like five years ago when that was a really new thing. Now every, now every scaling startup has their funny lines on the boxes. I know because at the end of our hallways where everyone puts their boxes and I'm constantly seeing like all the cool new companies with all their funny lines, which are still funny, but it's just a little less funny because everybody does it now. All of that is to say, I like that idea because you brought the tactical thing into it and you brought the experience into it. It's very on brand for you. We call that being your brand. You, you aren't just sending something. It's like really in line with you and and it's specific to you as opposed to, I think, my story of the box. It was like, I can just tell that you send this to every client and it's not really about you or me or our work or anything. It's just kind of like, here is a gift so that you maybe have better goodwill towards me. And that I think yeah. is like kind of a little bit of a turn off almost. Yeah. I mean, I think, look, if I were to take it a step further, I would say, you know, you find a gift that is really about the recipient. It's not about you. It's not, you know, it's about the recipient. And mm-hmm. if you if you do it right, you take the time to learn about each recipient and this person likes shoes and this person likes handbags and this person likes spices and whatever, and you really could tailor it, that's wonderful. That's a little bit hard. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know that my answer is the, the best answer, but for me anyway, I thought that creating something that was both personal and experiential was the ticket. And so far it seems to be good, but I think, you know, even in other things that we, that we do uh, and in, and in various parts about, of the journey, like you don't have to wait till the holidays to create a personalized experience for somebody. Uh, in fact, one of the things that I often recommend is be sure to create an experience the moment they sign the contract. Because if you think about it, let's look at the two parties, right? You, the agency owner, what do you do? Well, you go home to your significant other and you pop a bottle of champagne or toast, whatever, because you're excited that you have a new client and everything's happy and hunky-dory. The client is more likely going home to their significant other and saying, I just signed a new deal today. I really (laughs) hope I made a good decision. I think I did because I really like Pia. But I don't know. And if they're, if they work for a bigger company, it's, you know, oh, my boss is going to fire me if I picked the wrong, the wrong provider and this. So they're not exactly going home to their significant other in the same mood that you are. Right. So what can we do at that very moment to help them get into that mood? Right. And one of the things I love to do is to, uh, it's, it's proverbial, not, not real, but, you know, to proverbially put your arm around the person and say, you just made, the best decision of your career because all those things I said before, right? I'm going to be there for you. Um, I'm going to any questions that you ever hit have. You are my top priority right now. I won't rest until you're successful. Like now, I can go home to my significant other and be like, "I made a great decision today in hiring Pia, and I can't wait to get started." And that's a that's very different than the first one that I explained, right? And it's and so there's this opportunity at the very beginning of the relationship too to sort of celebrate together the beginning of a relationship. You know, think of it as like you survived the first date and there's going to be a second date and that's exciting and we should both be happy about that, not just one of us be happy. Can you can you share like in detail what do you mean by that? Do you send them a vi- do you have a video on their thank you page? Do you send them an email like I think it depends. It mm-hmm. depends on um, on what it is that we're doing together and um, and who the client is and that sort of thing, but it is and also 
the, the process matters too, right? Sometimes it's more of a competitive process. Sometimes it was more of a slam dunk. So sort of whatever, I don't know, whatever I'm feeling. One of the things I love doing, uh, which is really simple and inexpensive, and I talk about it in the book, is there's a company called Punk Post, uh, P-U-N-K-P-O-S-T. And you go onto their website or their mobile app, and you fill out a greeting card. You basically tell them what it is that you want to say to somebody, and you pick out a design, and then they hire an artist to hand draw the card. And these things are works of art. I mean, they are beautiful from the outside envelope where you're like, you know, 100% open rate to the marketers out there, right? Because you see this envelope in your mailbox, you are opening it. And what the CEO told me for the book is that people save these cards. They, they put them up on their bulletin board or on their refrigerator, or they sh take pictures of them and share them on social media and say, oh my gosh, look what I got from Pia today. Look at this beautiful card. And the beauty is the cost of a punk post is basically the same cost as a Hallmark card in a stamp. It is, they average between five to $7. And so it's not a big investment, but your brand new client gets that a few days after signing the contract. And it's like, it's a moment. And so I love things like that. You know, I think we've been talking a lot about gifts and stuff like that. Snail mail is such a great channel for that kind of stuff because nobody expects something in snail mail, right? Right. Um, I always tell people, hey, you can send someone a thank you email too, but they're not going to be framing that and putting that on their refrigerator or on their bulletin board, right? It's because it's an email. And I like what you're saying about the boxes too. I think that um, you're right that a lot of companies do it now. I would argue that as long as you're still showing your brand's personality that is different from your competitor brand's personality, I think it can still be really useful because that's the idea is uniqueness is really what is so, you know, is so memorable. I agree. I think they were missing the part that was connected to their brand or like a reason that I was getting these particular things, either because of yeah. who I am or because of who they are. I'm not going to disagree with you necessarily, but I will say that I've sent some gifts where it, it is about us, but I know that they like it because they've told me, right? It's like super worst of all design, badass branding. And yeah. that's an exciting thing because it's, you know, usually something handmade or. But also you're, yeah. you're, uh, you are selling branding, right? So right. your brand itself makes, that, that is what you're selling. So that makes a lot of sense. I, I once got from a company, this beautiful cutting board. This is a cutting board that like I was afraid to cut on because it was so beautiful looking. Only problem with it is in the bottom left-hand corner, they had fire branded in their logo. Yeah. And then well, like, now what the heck am it. I going to do with it? Right? Yeah. Like, I don't want your logo on my cutting board. And again, if I'm going to cook a meal or whatever, I want to, I I could use that cutting board and I'll remember who it's from without right. your logo. I don't need your logo to remember that you gave it to me. It's like when you get a wedding gift or something, right? You always remember who gave you that bowl or those set right. of dishes or whatever. And so we remember that. But when you fire brand their logo, now, if he had fire branded my your logo, logo. Mm -hmm. that's cool. And that's what I love for a branding agency is if you're helping somebody create their brand, put their logo mm -hmm. on it and that they're going to really Especially love. Especially the one you made. Because it's about them. Yes. <laughs> right. And of course, they're going to remember that you made it. I have a, you know, my logo is a, a light bulb that has the letter CX inside where the, where the electric wiring would be. 
I'll never forget who made that for me. Like right. that—that that is a person that will always be in my, you know, in, in my mind, and I will have my gratitude and and whatever. So, whenever that logo shows up, I know that, you know, I know who created that for me. So I don't need to be reminded of that. I have a great story about that. The first time I met um, Mike Michalowicz, he actually invited me. Uh, he invited me to MSNBC to meet him there because he happened to be going there. He's a busy guy. So he was like, oh, let's just have the meeting at MSNBC and then you can like meet them. And I ended up getting on the MSNBC show because of it. So like what an amazing, cool. what an amazing thing that he did for me, right? Like he didn't know me and I was just publishing my book. So I was like, what am I going to get this guy? Like I have to thank him. So we made, we took a dollar bill, you know, he wrote Profit First. We took a dollar bill. My husband's an artist and he put sunglasses on the on the Washington and wrote profit first above it. And we framed it and I sent it to him years later. I completely forgot about this. I have him on my podcast and he's like, Hey, didn't you give this to me and pulls it off of his tree, <laughs> right? It's on the tree. That is his background for everything he does. I yeah. was like, geez, how powerful is that? Like I have this thing sitting in his office on his very important tree because it had his, not his logo, but like it had his brand his thing. It. Yeah. And it worked it was so about well. Him. Yeah. yeah. And that was like a slightly accidental because I just wanted to give him something that I felt like meant was meant, you know, meant something, but it, you're right, Dan, you're right. You know, I, you know, that reminds <laughs> me of, um, this is completely off topic, but I, uh, was recently looking for a, a new show to watch. And instead of finding a new show, I went back to an old show and I started rewatching the West wing. It's incredible. I loved it the first time, but I, I'm loving it now. And I just passed the episode where Leo convinces uh, Bartlett to run for president. And he had written on a cocktail napkin, Bartlett for America. He said, this, this has been going through my head and whatever. And he shows him Bartlett for America. And years later, when, when Jed is the president, he, he has that napkin framed and he gives it back as a gift to leo and it's like this moment where you're like oh my gosh like but that was a shared moment between them mm. and, it, and it's not that the napkin's worth anything it's just that it's a sentimentality and the you know and sort of the emotion behind it and and we talk about this a lot in the customer experience world a lot of customer experience is just being able to hit to hit somebody emotionally in the right spot or to hit them in one of their five senses in the right spot. You know, something that looks good, smells good, tastes good, sounds good. Those are all things, feels good. Those are all things that we remember. Or if it gives us the chills or, you know, makes us shed a tear or just, you know, kind of hits us in the heart, we remember that too. And if you can focus experiences around any of those things, generally you're going to have a winner. That's so good. And listening to all of your story, I mean, listening, reading all of your stories in your book, I was like, idea, idea, idea. One idea I had after you told the story about the, um, the pet, Petco, the pet store. Chewy. Uh, Chewy. Yeah. Uh, I was like, yes, I should be sending gifts to people as they leave my program. And like, I knew exactly what kinds of gifts. And it, I mean, it was just brilliant, full of so many good stories that will just get your mind popping with ideas. And some of them are so simple, you know, some of the ideas I came up with were so simple to execute. It was like, why am I not doing that already? So just so, so good. Dan, uh, you said you have these stories that you know, that you share at all your keynotes and you just know everybody loves them. Will you just tell us one of those stories before you go? <laughs> oh, putting me on the spot. I'm going to tell you a story that isn't in the book. Um, and I will preface this by saying, 
it's better in my keynote because actually it's one of the few stories in the keynote that I don't tell the story. I play an audio file of the actual person who had this experience okay. telling the story, but I'm going to try to recreate it. Okay. I think you're going to do an amazing job. So this gentleman uh, goes to uh, Children's National Hospital because his child is having surgery. And the way that he tells it, it's this long, exhausting day filled with forms and waiting and being nervous and his kid is crying. And it's just one of these days as a parent that you, you know, it's just, it's this nightmare day, right? The end of the day finally comes and he's walking out and he stops in the men's room. And he's washing his hands and he looks up on the mirror and there's a sign and it says, hang in there, dad. And he just melts. And he talks about how this was the first moment in the day where he could be vulnerable because as he talks about in this audio file, like he's called upon to be the strength of his family. And so he's got to show bravery and strength, even though this is so difficult. And he has this one moment of vulnerability and somebody thought to put a sign up on a mirror that was exactly the words that he needed to hear at exactly that moment. And he said, it felt like somebody put a hand on my shoulder and told me everything was going to be okay in exactly the moment I needed that. And I play this audio file and every time I hear it, I get the chills. And I've I got exactly the chills right now. Say, right? Oh my gosh. Yes. I, I could almost say it word for word. But when you hear his voice and you hear his emotion and you hear his voice catch a little bit, you're there with him. You're, you're in the hospital. You are, I know this is weird, ladies, but you're in the men's room with him, right? Like you're there and you feel what he's feeling. And the best part about it is that is authenticity right there. That's why I play his voice instead of my voice. Because when you hear it from this guy, you're like, Oh my gosh. And look, this was a sign on a mirror. This didn't cost anybody anything. This did, this wasn't operationally complex. This wasn't expensive. This was just somebody taking a moment out to really empathize. And it's amazing how much of an effect that can have on people. And the guy told me later, uh, not as part of this audio, that unfortunately he's had to go back. Uh, his, his kid has had to go back to the hospital several times. And he said, every time I walk into that bathroom, I get that feeling again when I see the sign. Like it, it, it's not just a one-time thing. It hits me every time because they just seem to know. And, uh, and I love that because we can all do that. We can all be a little bit more empathetic. We can all try to understand our customers a little bit better, um, understand that they're not they're not us. They're themselves. They're going through different things. Uh, and people experience the same thing in different ways. We all experience COVID in different ways. And just having that little bit of humanity, especially in the world that we live in today, it goes a lot farther than you think. Oh my gosh. I'm totally inspired, Dan. I want to come up with all the things for my people. Um, <laughs> can you uh, share like... You are uh, an author, a speaker. Like, do you work with people? Do you help people with this? Who do you help? I am a speaker at heart, um, but I do all sorts of uh, either customer experience consulting or coaching with companies as well. I have an online course, uh, the book, of course. I This is what gets me excited, 
right? For you, it's it's finding somebody's perfect brand that is going to be their identity and whatever. For me, it's creating experiences that people want to talk about. And that just jazzes me up. And I love helping organizations do that. And, uh, and so please reach out to me. Um, I try to be one of the things that I teach in the book, as you know, is being responsive. And so, of course, I try to practice what I preach. And in fact, true story, I got a keynote once um, because somebody inquired at 1030 at night on a Saturday night and I had an answer to them by 11. And they were so impressed that I had answered that quickly. They knew that I was the guy they wanted to hire. And so that's the other thing you got to practice what you preach. I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, everyone's going to go buy your book now. Actually, when I got it from you, we did a little book swap. When I got your book, I shared it on social media and already like a bunch of people in my program bought it. So we were, we were oh, all been chatting about it. Yeah. So um, I know some people who are listening to this have already been reading it and loving it. And for those who haven't, I'm sure they will love it now because you got some great stories. You're a storyteller, Dan. You're a great storyteller. And the book is... <laughs> The book is full of great stories and you'll definitely be inspired as I was during this uh, this little chat we had. So thank you so much for coming. Well, thank you. I am honored and it was a lot of fun to talk with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll be back next week with more no BS tips for your agency so you can find more profit, ease, and freedom. The No BS Agency podcast is produced by Yellow House Media. Coordinator is Lou Blazer. This episode is edited by Marty Seafelt. Creative direction by Sean and Tara McMullen. Our theme music is Knock 'em Down by The Shrugs.